Okay, so we're reviewing. I mean, talking recording. About. All I can ever think about is reviews. Yeah. <laughs> you are your section. Why do you think all I can do is feature? <laughs> <laughs> when you introduce someone, you just say, hey, I'm Jake featuring. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Button Mash. Tonight, I will be your host, Chase Streetman, reviews editor for Byte. And with me, we have... Jake Doolin, managing editor. Okay, How so... are you? Oh, well, that was considerate. I would like to know. I'm I'm good. I have had a... It's been a long day, though, and I got a whole drive to Columbus after this. Oh, yeah. How about you? About the same, except for the drive for Columbus part. Oh, okay. <laughs> so tonight, I wanted to talk about... Delays and release dates. Mm -hmm. Primarily how we as consumers view those things. But then also I want to talk in terms of delays specifically in terms of the obligation that a company might have in terms of that release date. So just to throw an example out there before we get to it. When a company says about a year in advance this is the date we're going to release a game. They shouldn't say a, a specific date if they have so much time in development left mm-hmm. that uh, such a large problem could still crop up that they can't meet that date. Yeah. So that that kind of thing. As for delays, as for delays, we just had, or at least Jake specifically, because I'm excited. Jake is heartbroken. Yes. We just had the new Half-Life 3 announced. <laughs> yes. Jake, why don't you tell us what the new Half-Life 3 is? The new Half-Life 3 is Mighty Number no. 9. And the reason... It's Just notice that's that. three squared. It's a conspiracy. Oh, my God. <laughs> my number nine has been this game that I have been set to review for almost two years now. And the same thing is happening. Holy crap, that's true. Because yeah. you and I have been signed up for The Division and Mighty Number no. 9 for the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. And so far, every single time this has happened, about a week or so before the game is released, I send um, Deep Silver and uh, the company that's uh, developing the game, an email saying, hi. He actually know. directly tweets at Inafune and expects <laughs> something to happen. Exactly. I, uh, and I say, hey, I know the the game's coming out next week or something. If you want to send press kit so we can have it, because we're going to review it, obviously. It was, and all the you know, courtesy emails. And then usually what I get back is, we're not really ready to talk about that right now. And what that means is... It's not coming out. And now we have... A, it was supposed to come out this week. Yes. And... Now we just have the release date of spring, 2016. Which, one of my main things, a reason I wanted to talk about release dates, was how we view a release date. Mm -hmm. Because for me, when I hear spring, it either means the very last seconds of spring, so we're going to get it in May 30th, yeah, or it's going to get delayed. Yeah, whenever you put like that, or... Q1 or Q1's even worse because that just that doesn't have anything to do with the consumer like we understand what the quarters mean but mm-hmm. that just means this is our financial goal like there is no real meaning to it yeah and it it just makes you you know ex- excited for it when it comes out like eventually cuz I talk to Aiden about this all the time where like certain shows like Gravity Falls their release date changes all the time and when it finally does come out the company like treats it like a big event, like oh, it's it's finally out. Like, and it, sometimes it feels like that, but then sometimes like the lead up kind of bums you out. And I'm kind of at that point with my number nine where it's starting to bum me out, where I've been like let on. Well, a yeah, because times. it's the kind of thing like um, we get in the same we get in the same place as we did with heists and Grand Theft Auto. Oh yeah, where it's like okay, we expected this to happen ages ago. 
oh, they might be coming soon. Sorry, they're they're not coming soon. You lose the ability to be excited for something eventually. Mm-hmm. Hotline Miami Two did something similar like this, where they were said really because that came out that came out of the blue for me. Like, I played Hotline Miami pretty soon after it came out. I heard Hotline Miami Two was coming out, and then it was out. Well, Hotline Miami Two, the game came out, but there was a a, a big component of it that hadn't come out till like a year later, and it was the custom map making. They said it was oh, going okay. to come out with the game. It's kind of like the heist. It was supposed to come out with the game, and then they were like, oh, it'll come out a month later. And then it just kept getting pushed back a month later and a month later. And when it finally did, it was it was unveiled through like a Steam like news thing. Like, oh, yeah, it's, it's available now. I've, I, okay, I'm a huge fan of Hotline Miami 2. I did not even know that was happening. I, yeah. I didn't know it was out. It, they they kind of like just didn't talk about it for a while because I think they were disappointed in the fact that it was taking so long to make these things. But I'm pretty surprised that that was difficult to make. I Yeah, I don't know what... Um, like okay, I, that sounded like it was talking down about the game. I'm just saying the way the game works mm-hmm. is essentially rectangular shaped rooms, L shaped rooms with obstacles and enemies. Like it seems like you could pretty easily create an engine that allows for map creation. Yeah, but I, it it took a while longer, and then it kind of just came out to like a, a whimper. It's still it's a cool thing, but have you used it? Um, I've seen people use it. I'm on a Mac, so. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Using things like it ain't that great because I got to use like the finger controls and yeah, yep. yeah, not good for like creating stuff. But I've seen people use it; it's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it just came out to a whimper because it just kept getting pushed back, and then eventually they they were just like, yeah, it's out. So, at what point do you have confidence in a release date? Hmm, that is a good question. You know. I didn't have – I'll tell you the one time I didn't have confidence that it was recently, and it was when okay. Bethesda unveiled Fallout 4, and they said it's coming out this year. That was actually one of the few things that at reveal I was like, this is happening when they say it's going to happen because they haven't said anything other than that. I was – that kind of worried me because I was like, okay, why didn't they say – and then, you know, I kind of get – it was like secrecy and whatnot, but to me it was like, is there something about the game? That isn't finished or something, but when you know they showed the first trailers off, I was like, okay, this looks pretty pretty far in development. It's possible, but I was expecting like it get delayed a few months. But they managed to hit that. And Bethesda doesn't really do delays, though. I'm, I'm surprised about that because I would imagine like they would be the the people that would most like utilize them. I guess. Yeah, but the thing is. They do what I'm advocating for, which is they don't give a hard and fast release date until they know they're going to put the game out at that point. Yeah, and it, it, I guess it just like kind of shocked me that it did because I, I really shouldn't because I, as far as I can remember, I've never remember Bethesda like delaying something. I don't remember Skyrim getting delayed or yeah, but you associate Bethesda games with bugs, and most of what people associate delays with is bugs or flaws in the game being made. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I guess I get confidence in something coming out when I see game journalists start getting excited about it or like getting copies of it. I know that's kind of like obviously counterpoint. Uh, Final Fantasy HD remake. Mm. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah, that sigh is what everyone should feel when they hear those words. Mm -hmm. Um, that's that's how I feel kind of now when you say Hitman. Um. Hitman release date. Um, minor Hitman thing. Did you see that they came out with a special edition this week? Or, like, with the special edition um, packaging? Um, let me remember. It's... As for the packaging itself, it's, like... It's Agent 47 in a white suit, which I'm pretty sure is, like, the only exclusive. 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't come with a physical game. I, yeah, and I was yeah. going to say, and you get a piece of paper inside the box that has the code. How? <laughs> Ugh. Such a slap. And I mean, let's be honest, Squeenix hasn't been cool about yeah, anything ever. I know. I just like that game. I, I'm oh, yeah. I, would I love n- Hitman. I love Hitman. Blood Money's so good. Oh, well, I mean, this is actually incredibly topical. We're talking oh, okay. we're talking release dates right now. Mm-hmm. Episodic games. With an episodic game, with the word episodic, there is the implicit nature of regular. Mm-hmm. We have not seen that with a single episodic game that's come out. To me, episodic inherently means delays. Yeah, I like... The most consistent I can think of is when I was really into um, The Wolf Among Us. That was... It, it came out... Again, I wasn't super regular, but I, at least every two months I would hear something about it. Where, you know... Uh, we got episode one and then got four to five months of silence. Mm-hmm. After episode one, it was a little more consistent. Because yeah, I could expect because they find Because they were like, oh, maybe we should make the game. Mm-hmm. So I, I that one was a little consistent, but I know what you mean. Like when I was doing the Game of Thrones, I had no idea when those things were coming out, and when they did, it was like they announced it a week before it came out. So I had like barely you had to, you had to, to pre- scramble to get ready for it. Because with episodic things, I always like to go back and replay it just so I, it's fresh in my head. Because that's I feel like. Well, okay, for me, there are two major screw yous to the consumer in terms of episodic games. Uh-huh. One. None of the major publishers have adopted creating the game and then releasing it in an episodic nature. Mm-hmm. None of them do that. They all make the first thing, sell a bunch of season passes, and then pack up for a little bit. And then cut up whatever. Cut up what they can sell. Yep. Or and the most they can sell without, like... Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I know what And you then mean. the next is the fact that because, by the very nature of the first aspect, people who are early adopters get screwed on a financial level. Mm-hmm. Like the last one that I bought a season pass for was Tales from the Borderlands. Okay. And before that, The Walking Dead season two. I bought those season pass because I was excited about the game. They are tainted to me because by the time the third episode of each of them rolled around, you could get the season pass for twelve fifty. Yeah. That's that is that developer screwing you. Mm-hmm. Especially because it's just making someone who's passionate. Kind it's of feel, punishing you yeah. for having faith in a developer mm-hmm. and, and and a property. Those specifically, I feel like Telltale. It's a lot of people having faith in the property too, because you know Borderlands. They put you know people who like Borderlands are going to be drawn to that, and you know expect something. People who are are fans of Game of Thrones. You know, there's at least a little part of you that's buying into the property too, because it, you know if it was just Telltale original IP. Maybe you might be excited about it. It depends Count, on the- counterpoint. Yeah, the Wolf Among Us was to most to a lot of people. It was not fables. People didn't mm-hmm. know fables. Like fables is a, it's a very well respected yes. comic book and it's so good. Mm-hmm. The the public at large did not know fables intricately. Everyone saw that first trailer and was like, "That looks like a cool world." Yeah. No one was like, "Oh, it's fables." Mm-hmm. And I, obviously, I'm exaggerating when I say no one. Yeah. Maybe kind of an exception to the rule, I guess. But you're you're right about that. There, that one was definitely like a like you had to be like someone who was in the know about because it's not some. It's a comic book that I think a lot of people who read comic books know, but yeah. the the it's not 
you know, surface it's not level mainstream. for most people. Yeah. The thing is, for me, when I buy a Telltale game, I'm buying Telltale. Mm-hmm. It's the the dressing of it, the specific style in which it's done. That's extra if I happen to like that series. But I like the way Telltale makes their games. I just don't like them as a company. Mm. I can I can get with that because when I would buy their games, um, I was in a place where I I couldn't buy the season pass, and I had to buy the games when they came out for the what, like six bucks every single time. I mean something like that because I I would have to work every month and then just save like that six bucks to the yeah. side. So, but I felt you know there's a little bit of part of me that feels like okay you know because after a while those those get so cheap and I mean by free the eventually. by the finale they're ten to seven fifty. Mm-hmm. They're ten to seven fifty, and the first and, episode's usually free. And the worst part is they're ten to seven fifty, and you get to play it in the best experience because there has not been a single one of these episodic games, with the exception of I would say Life is Strange, that I have felt like my experience was increased by the fact that I wasn't able to play it uh, all in a row. Yeah, like uh, I just recently pl- replayed Walking Dead for the gamer score. That might have been good if it was on a month to month schedule. But also, if you ha- leave me waiting, I'm going to forget these moments. Mm-hmm. I'm not, like, the reason TV episodic works is because it's week to week. Yeah. that You're not going to forget stuff in a week. I, I w- uh, episode two of The Wolf Among Us, mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going on. And it goes back to your point about, like, making making it episodic and not just, like, because Telltale does this thing where, like, they make that episode and then they start making the next one, like, as soon as it's after. And it makes it a and longer wait. It. Yeah, I hate it, too, because... That it ruins it because TV is so good about those those cliffhangers because it's weekly, you know. Yeah, there's like in TV they maybe have only already shot half the season by the time the season premiere goes, mm-hmm. but it's never okay, guys. Except for soap operas, but that's yeah. a whole. There's a reason. Exception to the rule. Well, it's not an exception to the rule because that's crap. Mm-hmm. Like, there's little nuggets of gold in soap operas, but for the most part, if you do that episode-to-episode thing, it's crap. Mm-hmm. It, you're just grasping at straws, pretty much, and, you know, put, trying anything that works at that point, and it just feels forced. And, I mean, okay, here's the thing. When Telltale made Jurassic Park... Um, Back to the Future. Back to the Future, and then the first Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. They were a small pub. They were a small developer, they maybe that's all they could do was take the money, use it to build the next thing. Mm-hmm. That's not what Telltale is anymore. No. Telltale is a superpower in gaming. Telltale is up there with the tier two below the EAs and the Activisions and stuff. They're mm-hmm. right below that now. Mm-hmm. They're at that next level. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of you. It makes me think. Are they just sticking to this model because it's like, well, it worked in the past. They're doing they, it because people are buying it still. They're yeah. doing it because people will still buy the season passes, and then more people will still buy them as they go on when they drop the prices. So they're still in that that original mentality they had when they started making I don't them. think so. Maybe not so much like the – I'm trying to think, figure out the word for this. Like they're not putting them out as fast because they're like – People will buy them, obviously, because people bought them before when they're not realizing that, you know, people bought them before and it was kind of not so much excusable, but almost understandable that it took longer because they were a smaller studio. They had one team working on one game with the money to make the next episode of that game. Isn't it like 
hard to think in the mindset of these like developers where they don't connect the one thing because like if they were to connect the one thing like oh we were small when we were you know putting putting them out so long maybe if we if we you know did the schedule faster or more consistent that would help but all they see is like well you know we we're still getting money well, it's like, yeah, it's the voting with your dollars thing. Yeah. Like, I know I'm never buying an episodic game season pass ever again because it's a worse experience and it's more money. Mm-hmm. That's like paying That's like paying uh, $500 to get a plane ticket specifically where a child's going to be kicking my seat. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. It's like we as a culture very easily ignore what the publishers and developers do to the consumer because we so quickly forget. Mm-hmm. Like... Okay, Jake, the most recent major publisher incident that I have seen, how did did Sony respond when people were outraged about them trying to trademark Let's Play? How did Sony respond? Sony responded by... Is it similar to what happened with... I'm blanking right now. Is it similar to what happened? They didn't say a freaking word. Okay. And it went on by. Because people were just like, because to me the internet seems to go off a kind of like a gross bully mentality where mm-hmm. if we aren't getting a reaction we just give up that and you can contrast that with the fine bros thing that happened yeah because yeah yeah because as you're right as soon as the um as soon as the fine bros said a word it reignited everything mm-hmm. and yeah. i mean the fine bros uh update was not genuine you know. but at least they were explaining what they were trying to do but even then they're they're feeding into it and People, you know, you would if if, yep. if Sony were to respond to something, you would see this the same type of reaction where it would be like, you know, people, you know, live streaming the the follower count going down or something like that. That kind of bully type reaction. Yeah, it, that's absolutely a bully mentality. What's mm-hmm. happening with the fine bros? Yeah, like there is no questioning it. Mm-hmm. But then, like at, at the same time, this it, let's talk about the fine bros as if they were a dev or a pub. Yeah. They made what is clearly a mistake in the eyes of their consumer. Yes. They reached out and tried to explain their mentality behind that mistake. Mm. And that wasn't a mistake, them trying to explain it. No. I think that their, if their mentality was right, but the, the method in which I think they went about it was not the best. Well, yeah. I mean... They're, they're two people. They're human. Yeah, like, yeah. They're, there's, there's a certain level that we can expect from them. Mm-hmm. However, there is now a standard where a media producer has tried to explain their mistake and gotten beaten down further for it, as opposed to the other AAA thing we're dealing with right now. The exact same situation, basically, except... PS, except Sony hasn't done anything with Let's Play, and at least the fines, at least, they made React. They just didn't explain it well. Yeah. Like, we now have a, um, what's it called in law? A precedent. Precedent. We have a precedent of silence being rewarded. Mm-hmm. And that's terrible. That is terrible. Because... Because that just means, like, that just means we've just shown all the major publishers, if you screw us over as hard as you want to... Just don't say a word and it'll go away. Mm-hmm. Just don't acknowledge it. Put out a, another release. People you know, are going to keep buying your crap. People are going to keep buying it because, you know, a lot of people I think do know better, but they just don't want to because they don't want to – they don't see another way to, to do things. And, like, that's that's super harmful because 
you know, there is other ways to do things, you know. Yeah. There's better ways to do episodic games. There's better ways to do a lot of things, but... There's better ways to explain to your audience what your business plans are. Mm-hmm. But, you know... Okay, what do you think Sony's doing with Let's Play? What do, you, what, do you, what do you think their goal is? I think their goal would be to get every major YouTuber, the Markiplier's, the PewDiePie's, to fall under their brand of Let's Plays. But no one's going to do that. They're just going to rename what they do. But, like... You could they they could make well see where the Fine Brothers have this they have their React channel they could say like you React know, all caps React all caps which is very specifically what the trademark was for yes it was for the style of the React LLC mm-hmm. so they have their React videos they can point to their React video and if someone is blatantly copying them which has could, happened in the past yeah. we have. It's a very easy style to copy, and it's very different from someone reacting to a video. Yeah, and if someone was copying, they could they could point to it and say, side by side, you know, they're they're taking our our thing. Yeah, and now what what React was going to do, honest to God, except in terms of how they deliver this information, I was fully on the side of the Fine Brothers mm-hmm. because exactly what the React world was going to be was okay, you give us a bit of money, we're going to give you the assets and the viewership. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to happen. Like, Instead of copying them, you can be part of it. Yeah. Like, it's it's a great system. It's a great business strategy for sure. Mm-hmm. They just started off by explaining stuff that nobody needed to know about. It, what they did was instead of saying what I just said, which was give us money, We'll post you put your stuff in here with our assets, our name. Mm-hmm. It'll come out here with viewers and ads. Yeah. Instead of saying that, what they said was they read an an end user license agreement to their audience and expected them not to freak out about the yeah. language. Cause, you know, again, like what you said is technically what they said in their video. It's just like different language and there's a better way to go about it. Well, no, it's not just different language. They added in too much information. Mm-hmm. It's like what Xbox, it's like what Microsoft did when they announced the Xbox One. They just explained way too much. Yeah. And you people don't need to hear this stuff. It's like what, it's exactly what happened with the always on with Xbox. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, if you had just slipped this feature in, no one would have cared. Yeah. No one would have ever given a crap. It would have been the Sony Let's Play thing. It would have been, you know... Well, maybe... no, no one would have even ever noticed it. I'm sure some people would have noticed it, but it wouldn't have been as 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 big. You... It would have been just a feature on the box. It would have just been, oh, my Xbox needs to be connected to the internet. Huh? Okay. Yeah. But as soon as they brought that to the attention of people, it was dumb because the consumer didn't need to know that. There's a... Okay, we are on the consumer side. Like yeah. we are the we are like the we're going to interpret what's happening on the on the money side yeah. and expl- and put it to the consumers. We're on the good end of that. Yes. But consumers as a group are so dumb and panicky. Mhm. Like as soon as someone takes something out of context, it becomes fact in the consumer mindset. Yes. And it's horrible. Mm-hmm. And it spreads so quickly. Yeah, faster than faster than they can even like. The Fine Brothers could have could have put another video out like an hour later, and it, it, that information was already spread so far. Misinformation was already out. It, it, there's no way to get it back at that point, and you're stuck. You know, having to pretty much quell rumors that aren't true rather than just like you know refining what you said. 
Yeah, they, they really should have pre-thought what they were going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And Sony should really tell us what the heck they're doing. Like what I was saying, because, all right, so they can point to their React videos. What could Sony point to as... They haven't done anything. That's, it's, yeah. not, it's not even a slogan they've ever done. Mm-hmm. They couldn't point to something and say, well, this is a Let's Play that we, you know, we've done. And these they've people not are... even sponsored any Let's Plays. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what they were thinking of doing. That's the thing. Like, the only thing... Like, could... there is... I don't like to jump to conspiracy theories, but there is only malicious stuff in my mind when it mm-hmm. comes to Sony getting Let's Play. With Fine Brothers getting React, that's the name of their freaking channel! Yeah. And, yeah, it just it makes no sense to me, because there's nothing they can point to. They, to me, it would just be, like, either they could, you know, wield this, this trademark, then just, like, take people down that, you know, aren't, you know, maybe... I don't want to say... I don't want to go that malicious. We should say trademark... Uh, trademarking is really murky law yeah. where and not anyone who's ever called their stuff a trade uh, called their stuff a let's play would be subject to be a takedown by there's, yeah there's Sony. so many different types of let's plays too it's it's it would be a very see that's the thing i really don't get about them trying to get this because okay let's talk about achievement hunter if mm-hmm. they got if they trademarked let's play mm-hmm. that would be speci- that would be them trying to trademark their YouTube channel that's the Let's Play channel and their style of multicam Let's Plays. Yeah. What on earth is Sony pointing to as their thing, as their property that they're trying to protect? It may, yeah, because, you know, even besides those, are we talking Let's Plays that are like, you know, strictly the gameplay and then just like some audio recorded over it? Or are we talking, you know, straight gameplay? Uh, I've seen plenty of like walkthrough let's play type things. Yeah. Um it's just so wide and that's probably why they didn't end up getting it is like I thought they did. No, I don't, they got turned down. Okay. As far as okay. as far the last thing I read they were they it was thrown out because it's it's such a wide thing. You know, React they probably got that cuz it it, it it was the name of their channel. They could easily point to this is it. This is the thing we are, you know, doing. This is the thing named the thing that we're trademarking in our style. Mhm. And Sony just came in there and just like I want this word God, what could they have wanted to do with that? Yeah, that's Ugh. that. That might even be worse for them, like not even explaining like what's going on. It's not worse for them though, because no one cares anymore. True. If they were to explain, then people would have cared. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that, that's a strategy on their part to just and like, it's it's a terrible precedent. Mm-hmm. It really is. And Sony's like the leader right now too in terms of like consoles and stuff. And I don't know. I don't want to say like I don't want to speculate. But like, is well, it... this is our personal opinion. Okay. Go ahead and speculate. Is it because they're in that 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 put that type of position right now that they think, okay, well, let's let's try something like this? Because I mean, they're not. I don't think there's any signs of like PlayStation Four sales going down anytime soon because they've been at the top for a few months now, right? And I always think like whenever people like get to that point, there's always that question of, okay, like what how, next? What next? So, I mean, it's a pretty bold move to trademark Let's Plays. You know, it'd, it'd be like trademarking, I don't know, video games or something like that. It'd be like, like walkthrough. Yeah, walkthrough. And you you think, okay, like, we think this is just a bad idea. What were they possibly thinking where they're like, oh, you know. Like, what's the good PR to come out of this? And what what's the what's the major benefit to them? Because mm-hmm. it, 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 it's going to sound like Big Brother almost if they took Let's Play. That's the, In my mind, it's going to be like, you know. You know, are you really following Sony's rules about Let's Play? Because we could take your channel down or we can, you know, take your your Let's Play down. I feel like... uh, God, I don't... It's scary to think about. It really is. And the fact that no one is, is, you know, up in arms about it. Because 
you know we're getting to this weird point in the internet where major things that started out as individual works are becoming businesses Mm -hmm. like when youtube started let's say there is no way that any of the people who started putting out some of their crappy little gameplay videos, like let's look at Markiplier's first videos. There's no way he thought, "Yeah, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a lot of money off of this." Mm-hmm. That's that was never even a possible thing. But now we're getting to the point where those same people who just made a fun thing are starting to dev- like carve up their little parts of the internet, mm-hmm. and that's weird. That is, it's it's a brand new thing, and how the heck are we going to deal with that? Like, no, and that's not a like, oh, it's a bad thing. It's just no one knows how to deal with this because it's never happened before. It's the Wild West almost. Exactly, it absolutely is. There's tons of good things, but there's also, you know, you know, bandits and and all these other people going around doing the bad stuff. The Sony bandits. Yeah, the Sony bandits versus, um, you know, people actually, you know, contributing to Let's Play. Okay, so who's the good, the bad, and the ugly? Okay. Hmm. (laughs) So we're talking about the good, bad, the ugly in terms of just continuing on Let's Plays or just cultivating Let's Play culture, pretty much? I'm, I'm going to say in terms of this Wild West of the internet. Hmm. I would say the good are some of the, some of the mid-range Let's Players. People like Boogie, um, who's kind of, you know, he's not, he's not a Markiplier, but he's not, you know, he's not completely unrecognizable. People mm-hmm. know who he is. But people like that who are, you know, their channel, you see it a lot on other mid-range channels. They're yeah. helping each other out, promoting each other's work. And to me, that's like when YouTube is really thriving is when, you know, you have other people on. You, you promote lesser channels to boost them up. Which let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say, like, we see that a lot in the high-end mm-hmm. channels, too. Like, we see, like, a whole lot of – I would go so far as to say brotherhood, to be honest, between – uh, places like Game Grumps, Achievement Hunter, Markiplier, mm-hmm. The Creatures, things like that. You see a whole lot. Of, I Justine, like, there's a lot of lifting people up, which yeah. is which is nice to say. And I think that's when it really thrives because you, you get a sense that these are human beings, and because these are still all the first people. Mm-hmm. These are all the people who were human beings making a thing, and were like, oh, I can make money off of this thing. Oh yeah, let's do that. And I want to help other people do that too because it's. You know, there's plenty to go around. I, I've not felt like someone who has been super, you know, I, I'm trying to think of a better word, but like greedy about YouTube Let's Plays. I've not, yep. I to me, this is so new that it's it's still like pure. There's you know, not someone trying to be the, um, the way I phrase this is going to be wrong, but uh, Candy Crush is the thing yeah. about it. There's not someone being the king of YouTube right now. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the good is the the Let's Players themselves. I think that they look out for each other in a way and when someone, you know, is a, gets their videos taken down or something, you know, like Angry Joe will come out with a video if uh, Total Biscuits video gets taken down or, you know, something. They Jim watch each other's do, Jim back. does the same thing. Jimquisition does the same thing with a whole lot of that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. They watch each other's back, which, you know, you get a good vibe from them. I think the ugly would be well, – you get you get a positive yeah. vibe in terms of those specific actions. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say between Angry Joe and um, yeah, Total okay. Biscuit, I get a positive vibe. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I I personally am not a fan of Total Biscuit, um, but you get a you get a feeling that we're all in the same community. We're all kind of new at this. You know, what's you know, this is uncharted territory. So I think the YouTubers are the good. The ugly, 
I guess it's it's the people trying to to take that humanity away almost. I don't know. I'd say I'd say that's the bad. That's the bad. Okay. What do, yeah. what do you think the ugly is? Um. I don't know. I would say. And if we're talking strictly in terms of content creation on the web, I would say the ugly is this second generation coming in that just thinks that they can start the same way that the first generation did and be just as successful. Because mm-hmm. you can't. No. Because the reason the first generation was so successful is because there was freaking nothing else. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like um, what I always hear from all the content creators it, when people ask, oh, okay, how do I get to be a part of Rooster Teeth, of Game Grumps, of this kind of thing? Oh, well, you got to build a portfolio. You basically got to be doing stuff and yeah. creating new things for about 15 mm-hmm. years, and people just shut off. Yeah. And instead they're like, yeah, but why can't I do what you did and just create something crappy and build into something good? And it's like, because they did that. It's Yeah, it's like no one wants to be stagnant. That's the thing. Like if you're just making the same videos that they were making – they're already making those videos. Why do they need, you know, this person around? They're looking for someone who's going to take it into the next part of their Bring you know, something venture. new to the table. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, YouTube, especially the YouTube, like, front page is so clogged with, you know, I'm just going to say Minecraft. I don't want to bash on Minecraft because I think Minecraft's, you know, a really good game to Let's Play and stuff. But you, you get so many Minecraft Let's Plays from, like, people who, you know, don't know how to – set those things up they sound horrible you it's just like clogged with stuff right now and thankfully i think you know a lot of the good ones well but... no, i'm gonna go ahead and say this isn't me saying don't make a crappy minecraft video yeah. this is me saying but eventually you have to bring something new to the table if you want to be successful you can't expect Cause... it to just you know be, yeah be excellent right away that would be like bite just being like yeah, let's just make Polygon's website and copy their writing style. Mm-hmm. That'll get us views. That'll be what we're going to do. No, mm-hmm. we're doing different things. We're, like, Byte is actively branching out into as many things as we possibly can to see what sticks. We're throwing every single thing within our grasp at the wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you, I mean, you see that in some of, of like, the higher-up videos, too. People are still, like, Markiplier. I can remember he made that cat video. That wasn't anything. That related. was so funny. But that that's totally different than his regular wheelhouse, and it it was really funny. But that also is evidence to him still being just a freaking person, because mm-hmm. he was like, "I want to make this video. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make this video. I shouldn't have made this video." <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's a good mindset to be in, because you're like, "Okay, I I I have this wheelhouse, but I need to not get stuck in it." You know, you can always have the let's plays and stuff, but build upon it. Mm-hmm. And. It's a really interesting thing we're seeing where even the companies that we're seeing come up, like, let's talk Game Grumps. Okay. You still get the experience of those people as individuals more than you get the experience of Game Grumps as a company. Mm-hmm. And when you see... Okay, this isn't me referencing them as a, an example of them doing something bad. This isn't me referencing an example of a company being a company. When I see a Game Informer or an IGN Twitch stream or something like that, I'm just watching them because sometimes the, the individuals happen to be funny. I don't know the individuals, yeah. though. Like, it's it's very fundamentally different the way that those things that are incredibly successful on their formats work. You very much get a sense of personability. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the major like thing I think that pulls people in. You know, 
I, a bunch of people do what Markiplier does, but Markiplier has his own way of doing it, and is he's a, a I like him. I, I that's something I can't nope. I can't say about a lot of other YouTube like the people who aren't doing you know unique things you know as much as they could. Like I like him as a person, and you know I'm not saying you have to like someone like to you know for their art to be good or whatever, but I'm just saying like you know it connects me more. Yeah, and when it comes to what is essentially a video of watching someone reacting to something as they're doing it, mm-hmm. it takes someone that you could basically see being friends with. Mm-hmm. Like, it's either super personable and you would have fun hanging out with this person, or it's rage quit. The best Let's Plays I've had have given me that feeling of sitting on the couch with my friends and playing video games with them. Yeah, that's the number one. Mm-hmm. That's the best feeling you can get from those. And if you, yeah, yeah, when they capture them, it's, it makes me sad that like, that second generation doesn't. They just see the video and it's just like, oh yeah, yeah, video games. This is just something that I'm thinking about now because we're talking about the second generation. Yeah. Vloggers that got famous are very interesting to me, because okay, the first two, the first three major vloggers I think of. I'm going to go all the way up to five because I would say that there are five that I think of as like okay. major ones. I would say I think of Grace Helbig. I think of I Justine. I think of Tyler Oakley. I think of Meg Turney. And I think of um, Hannah Hart. Okay. Those are the people I think of. Hannah Hart is like second gener is like the virgin, the very end of the first generation. And she did something interesting first, mm-hmm. but it's like, what will it take? for another generation of vloggers to really become popular it kind of takes the first generation just not doing it anymore right because there's just so many vloggers out there mm-hmm. and again like this the, the whole thing gets clogged and there's no like way to really there's no way to sift through and find the good right now mm-hmm. there really isn't and you know in a way you can kind of go through let's plays and find like you know you can you can push it down a little bit like for certain games or like you know yeah, because like um, styles. Yeah, like for me, it's like uh, I find people tangentially through. Okay, I'm interested in this game. Oh, this guy made a pretty good video of it. I'm gonna watch more of his videos. Oh, he talks about this guy. I'm gonna watch his videos. Because mm-hmm. like, for example, it's like I really like Dark Souls. I'm gonna look up Dark Souls videos. Oh, Sunlight Blade makes a really good top ten series in Dark Souls. Oh, he mentions Ouroboro the Ninja a lot. I'm going to watch some of his videos. Mm-hmm. Oh, he mentions uh, the Dreaded Cone a lot. I'm going to watch his. You really, like right now, it's really, you have to go trusted source to trusted source to trusted source, yeah. or you can't find anything else good. Mm-hmm. And, like, vloggers, in a way, are kind of hindered by that because they're talking about different things every time they go on. It's not like you don't have that comfort zone of Dark Souls. Yeah, you know, but you you have real life, which is different, you know, every time. So I don't know how how they're going to find success. It's people think it's so easy to do it too. That's well, because it's easy to do it. It's not easy to do it in such a format that people will watch starting in 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's that's an interesting thing to to ponder because obviously it's going to stick around. These things are going to, but like. What's going to dictate what sticks around? And what's going to be the thing that changes enough that a bunch of new people can jump on that, can jump right at the start of that, be the early backers? I wonder if this is me speculating on newer things I see. If we're going to see, like, 
a move away from like vlog videos and like Periscope, like live, you know, viewing your life for like, you know, through your day. I wonder if that's the next step because that is I've seen that take off on my Twitter feed. Just people yeah, periscoping, seen, you know, I saw Periscope die down a lot pretty quick, though. But do you just mean like something in the same something vein of that where you're watching like slice of life stuff without any editing? Slice of life stuff without any editing, yeah. I wonder if we're going to get into like some Truman Show-esque thing where I'm watching someone. I mean, that's possible. That I, That's because I'm trying to think of the next step. So you have, you know, the vloggers who, you know, sit in front of the thing or they sometimes they do like travel videos. They, there's, there's, they tell you about the stuff that happens. Yeah, but – it ends there. It ends in that room. Or at the very least, you hear about stuff secondhand. Like, even if it's from the same person, it's them relaying an event. Mm-hmm. As opposed to every vlogger I've ever heard has a, has a story of a customer treating them like crap. As opposed to if it was just like Periscope in your breast pocket, you would see that customer treating them like the crap. That kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe that's the way it's going to go. It's kind of... but. Once again, it just takes that innovation. Uh huh. It takes the first person who's going to periscope their entire day and make it so enough people watch. Yeah. That's because, I mean, I guarantee that's probably has been tried, but we haven't heard about it because it probably wasn't worth watching. The first person who makes it worth watching, that's going to be something to look at. And all, and then immediately there's going to be thousand oh, yeah. imitators. Mm hmm. And that'll be the new thing. Yeah. That's, yeah. The internet's so weird. The internet is so weird. There has been nothing ever like the internet. I was reading something about how, like, Twitter is just – the way it just goes through things is amazing. Something will happen. It's discussed for, like, upwards of maybe 20 minutes. If it's if it's a super impactful event, it will be discussed much longer. But then it's just, like, gone. It's just not discussed anymore. It's on to the next thing. And it's like – No, here's the way it goes. Event, discussion, and dispersal of information – distortion of information memes Mm -hmm. that is actually how twitter works and it's so quick and like i would say all of that in general happens over the course of one hour i'm thinking of the biggest thing i've 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 seen recently was in i was in washington dc and it was when the paris attacks happened i remember it broke on my twitter feed i got more information as it went along and then like it just went into, like, misinformation. Like, the whole, like, Facebook thing, that really got, like, twisted. And then just, like, yeah. And I was like, this is this is a type of event that I should, like, remember. And, like, I will remember, but, like, I remember 20 minutes of it because, like, it was on Twitter. I got all the information I needed. And then... Let's see. Here's, here's the big thing because what happens when you're saying this is the thing I'll remember? Mm-hmm. We're directly comparing it to events that happened prior to the internet. Yeah. And and what fundamentally happened when the internet happened wasn't how quick we got information. It's how much information we got quickly. Mm-hmm. Because what's happening now is we're not just getting information that's worldwide breaking. And we're not just getting information that's important where we are. Because what everyone remembers, I'm going to say... People remember 9-11, they remember the Kennedy shooting, they remember the they remember Pearl Harbor, where they were when they heard about that. But that's because those were the only major things that happened in that lifetime, basically. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, I'm discounting every other thing. But now it's like, 
oh, yeah, we're hearing about more bombings in other countries because the people who were neighbors to the house that got blown to, blown to smithereens can tweet about it. Yeah. Like, there's just so much that we're hearing about now that it gets drowned out by a sea of equally important things and then even further drowned out by even more e- unimportant things. This just popped in my head. It's an interesting... I'm thinking about it right now. What What can you think of that was, like, your last post-internet memory? Because, like, when you said... Post-internet memory? Post-internet. Like, p- before, like, you got really into the internet. Because, like, 9 Okay, so, like, you mean right before... What was the thing I remember before the internet happened Before to the internet happened to you, what was the thing that you can remember, like, the most... Like, detached from the internet? Okay, see, I have to go back to when I was, like, six... Because I remember very explicitly looking up um, codes on, uh, like, cheat codes on a, on a website. Mm-hmm. God, I don't even know, man. Like, it's kind of an unfair question for people of our age because we were at the burgeoning level of the internet. Mm-hmm. And before that is the point where your brain just is like, this. these memories are not useful. So your brain just gets rid of it. Mm-hmm. When you said nine eleven, that was like the first thing that popped in my head. I was like, I really, I was in fifth I was, grade. I, you were in fifth grade. Fifth. I was in or I was in like first or second grade. It had to be elementary school. I'm not remembering. Yeah. But correctly, but I I remember that being like so detached from the internet because I came home, watched the TV, and then went to bed, and then that was all the information I got from it. And like I remember that day pretty clearly, like detached from anything, like because I remember certain events, like. Uh, it's, I can't even name a shooting because there's been so many, but most shootings that happen are strictly tied to my internet, like finding that out through there. And it, to me, those are like internet memories almost. It's weird to make that distinction. Okay, so what's post-internet, post you becoming a part of the internet to in the level that you are? Yeah. What is the biggest event that you did not learn about on the internet? Ooh, Does it have to occur during the time we were alive? Or can it be something from the past? No, no, like a breaking event. Oh, a breaking event. Yeah. Because, hmm. honest to God, the only thing I can think of that I know for sure I didn't learn on the internet that was a major event, at least for me, was literally a death of a classmate. Like, that's what it took for me to not learn about something on the internet. I guess the biggest thing... For me, that I didn't find out on the internet um, was when Michael Jackson died. I found that out through... I found that out through Facebook. I found that out. Um, I was with a driving instructor for... Um, oh, was it like on the radio? F- yeah, on the radio. And to me, like, I feel like if I found it on the internet, it would have been so much bigger, but I just can- we just kept driving. And it was, like, weird because when I got out of that car, like, I entered in, in like, a whole new world because I got on my phone and it was just, like... Everywhere. My- yeah, everywhere. It's like it's so weird. Um, I'm not. I'm not one of those people who's like, "Oh, you need to." Cell phones are the worst thing ever. I, I, I hate. Yeah. Thomas Edison was a witch. Yeah, I, I, I don't like that. But it, it's so weird that the disconnect you get when like something happens and you don't have that, the phone or the internet or something to, like, you know, get more about it. You're just like, "Oh, I know this happened," and like, "What do I do now?" It's like. Something doesn't feel real when it's just in when it's just binary information because mm-hmm. the information you got was zero. Michael Jackson is alive. One. Michael Jackson is dead. Yeah. You flipped that switch. That's the information you had. Mm-hmm. As opposed to now, it's like 
holy crap, Michael Jackson is dead? What happened? And then I immediately have the whole story. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. I wonder how well – I wonder how our, our parents' generation – how their minds work with this type of thing because they they would still get information like the next day my like, parents don't check the my no. parents don't check uh news feeds and timelines and stuff like that no no they i don't know watch the do. e- they watch the evening news they read the newspaper and if something happens someone else will tell them about it wow that's such a, it, like it, it is a, it is a fundamental difference because mm-hmm. Like, sitting at the dinner table with my parents, we are the two different sides of that uh, classic internet comic that's the world without internet. I wonder if zebras are marsupials. And then it's just like, huh, I guess we'll never know. And then the other side of the table is, I wonder if zebras are marsupials. Nope. It's yeah. like, we're, we, like, the way that we process and think about gathering information is completely different. Because my parents are like, oh yeah, I guess I should watch the news for that. And I'm like... I'm going to, in this very moment, look at my phone and find this information. And probably more relevant information. Exactly. So, like, there's a level of dependence that's likely unhealthy that we have to our phones. But it's also, we have so much more. The information that I have gotten in my 21 years of being alive is almost certainly more information than my parents have encountered in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. Because when I want to know something, I immediately find it. It's like... That generation had this square foot radius of the knowledge they would get. And I mean, like, it might... And ex- it, was, it was limited by broadcasts and libraries. Mm-hmm. And it might... Little blips might appear outside of that. If, like, if a humongous world event happened then, and you would read it in your newspaper. Little blips might happen. Now, you know, you can get that information about a place you've never been to or, you know, you, you would never know about from your local newspaper or something. And I... I it boggles my mind sometimes thinking about, like, what I know. Yeah. You know? And it's like, th- this conversation right here, what we're talking about, it's why I hate the rhetoric of, oh, you people are always on your phones. And it's like, my phone, the single screen I have right now is more information than you're going to intake today. Mm-hmm. And it's like, sure, sometimes I'm just screwing around on my phone. But most of the time, even when I'm just in passing scrolling through Twitter, I'm finding so many things, like, I know this isn't something that most people do when they're on their Twitter. I am I am following every single major media network. So if there is a story that actually matters and isn't a fluff piece that you have to sort through when you're watching the evening news, I read that story. Mm-hmm. It's like just the sheer access we have and the fact that we're always so readily available to intake or ser- seek out that information, it's mm-hmm. incredible. When do you – have you ever found it just like you needed to unplug for a minute? Cause like never, no. Everyone always talks about how purging always feels so good, and then they immediately get back to being on their phone. I've never felt any need to be like, I just need to get away from my media. I've never felt that. I can't say I've I've ever done it, but sometimes I feel like when I see something or read something like so horrible happening that I maybe I wouldn't have read it otherwise. But I I found out through you know the, the numerous channels of the world. I'm just like, oh my gosh, like. You got to just take a minute, I think, because some of the information – I feel like we get more information, but we also get a lot of, like, just – We've dealt with a lot more dealt, tragedy. Yeah, we have. And, like, maybe not on, like, a personal – it didn't happen to me, but, like, you, you, just knowing about it. See, um, there is um, – okay, I'm a sociology major now. Yeah. I used to be a journalism major. 
the thing I wanted to do as a journalism major was either this, which is a passion project, as bite as a video game journalist because it's something I'm passionate about, or I wanted to be an on-the-ground crisis reporter. No. So that kind of stuff doesn't really phase me because I'm like, well, what are the other stories happening here? Mm Mm-hmm. So fundamentally, I just always want to know more, even when it's tragic. Like, that's just a part of me that might be part of why that that doesn't hit me that same way. Because I'll, I'll be like, holy crap, that's the worst thing I've ever read. I need to know more about what's happening there. Not, holy crap, that's the worst thing I've ever read. I need to take a step back. I, I have not taken the step back because I like knowing the information, too, because something curiosity or something drives me to want to know because I, I want to know the full story. I hate seeing misinformation, blatant misinformation and headline know, information. Yes. Headline headline news readers are my least favorite thing. And it bugs me so much when I see people our age doing it, just passing around misinformation because mm-hmm. you are the most in tune to get that or get it right. And it's like we Seeing that, like, that's one reason I, I... It's so easy to immediately find the actual story that it shouldn't be so much misinformation being spread. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be, like, I read the headline, hit share or, re- you know, reblog or something. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it could be so fake and you're and just... And a lot of the time it is. And a lot of the time it is. And you're just, you know, spreading Like, this... there was recently this thing with... um a Chinese model who was in an ad for a surgery that changes your eyes. And it was a Chinese model, a Chinese female model, a Chinese male model. They were on a couch together and there were two kids in the thing that had very Western eyes. And like immediately that image got memed to hell Mm -hmm. and it changed so much that it got back to the point where People who saw her on the street thought that she had forced her children to get eye surgery when she was a model in an advertisement. Wow. Like, that kind of thing Mm -hmm. happens. Yeah. And that's just the wormhole it goes down and then... What do you, what do you we're say? Not even, we're, and this is, we're not even talking about 4, 8, that Chan, all that crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we're not even talking about that monstrosity. We are talking about base-level social media. It spread – those ones, I think, spread for just malicious intent. Yeah. These people are thinking they're doing something, and but uh, oftentimes it's malicious because it turns into that. Because the bully thing that I'm, we I'm talked about I'm assuming that that turned into some kind of bully. Obviously. It oh, it absolutely it, yeah. did. So, you know, if you really want to, to have the right intent, click it. Read it, you know. Inform yourself. Inform yourself. Do one – Snopes. Follow – follow – MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News, and read all of the things that they write about this. If you read a story by MSNBC uh, about something and you don't read the Fox News counterpart or the CNN counterpart, you are doing yourself a disservice by not removing the bias or seeing how other sides are biasing things. Mm-hmm. You need to do the research. That, bu- that, that always gets on my nerves about, like, I only read a certain mindset and do a certain you know a certain thing that i agree with yeah okay you know grow <laughs> grow grow a little bit cuz you know the world isn't super like that and i'm not saying like you know you sh- you should read the, all this you know terrible stuff whatever but you know I, i'm obviously i'm probably referring to fox news for most people that you know i know personally i know 
as many people who refuse to ever watch Fox News, which on a journalistic level, they have several flaws, Mm -hmm. but they are, but MSNBC is equally biased. Mm -hmm. That is a fundamental truth. And people will just excuse it because it's their bias. Well, they'll excuse it because it's their bias and MSNBC does do better journalism, but they allow as much of their bias to get in. Mm -hmm. And it's just like... The story is is there. You just have to find the connecting pieces, pretty much. I mean, you don't. You just have to Google the headline of the MSNBC story. The Fox News will come up, and you're like, okay, let's see what they have to say. Mm-hmm. And, it's easy. You know, give yourself credit in knowing, you know, what 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 the real information is and whatnot. Yeah. Um. So, basically, we're gonna we're about to start wrapping it up. Okay. Because we started this conversation about release dates, and we ended up about tragedies and making sure you're informed. Yes. But okay, I'm going to wrap this up with a few morals. Okay. From our original conversation, educate your... I mean, not educate yourself. From our original conversation, vote with your dollars. Make sure what you're doing backs your values, especially on a consumer level. Yes. From our second conversation, create something new. And from our third conversation... Please keep yourself informed. Yes. You owe it to yourself and to everyone around you. Yes, absolutely. This turned into a very deep conversation that I'm very happy with. I'm glad I'm glad you were yes. with me on this, Jake. I'm glad I know you missed out on McDonald's for this, but I think it was worth it. I think it was worth it too. I enjoyed the depths that we we managed to go down and you know, it it, it the best thing I can say is that like I think about I'm going to think about things differently or like this expanded the way I I thought about something. There's a good moral. Talk to someone. Yeah. Talk to someone about something that you don't have your ideas set in yet. Mm -hmm. And if you do have your ideas set in, talk to someone who disagrees with you. Especially if you don't, because the worst type of misinformation is just believing base assumptions instead of like going any deeper. That's how we get stereotypes. friends. That's how you get stereotypes. That's how you a whole bunch of horrible stuff gets started. And, it's okay not to know things as long yeah, as you that's want the big that's we're not going to get into a whole bit different conversation about this but that's one of the major problems with us as a society where we don't accept that human beings can grow and learn yes maybe we can talk about that next week or something yes because you know what that that will fit in actually with what we're talking about i believe we're talking about kanye next week and i and i'm going to listen to the album and i might be on but I have a very low opinion of Kanye. And I have a very high opinion. But I feel like what Jake we Jake just... has previously said Kanye could murder someone and he would be okay with it. Okay. <laughs> Good night, everybody. I'm Chase Streetman, the reviews editor for Byte, and this has been another episode of Button Mash. And with me here is... Jake Doolin. Thank See you. Me. Have a good one. See ya.